to Spreading the Good Stuff, a podcast for regional women who want to thrive in their work, wellness, family and community. We share stories of triumph, challenge, growth and change in business and in life and offer helpful insights and advice to empower you to live your best life, however that looks for you. Hello and welcome back to Spreading the Good Stuff. I'm Katrina Myers. I'm Christy O'Brien. And I'm Leonie Cannon. So welcome back, guys. It's There's a lot going on in the world at the moment, as we all know, and you know none of us feel like we are experts to kind of talk in depth or have any opinions on what is going on in the world. But we do think that something that's quite relevant at the moment, and, and Christy's going to share with us why we're going to chat about this, but that is resilience. And so much of the world that we have to deal with, the lives we have to cope with as individuals and at a community level really stems from this idea of being able to be resilient. But we sort of started talking about, well, what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to be resilient? How do we navigate all of these things that are going on in the world? Something I guess I've been thinking a lot about lately too is this sort of this duality of where we are with, you know, things like the referendum, which I felt, you know, quite emotional about, and then things that are happening in the Middle East. And it's like there's all this stuff going on in the world, which there always is, as we know, but it's kind of this duality of like, well, then how do you also then navigate where you are and stay present in your life and try to live your best life while there's so much going on? And I think part of that is resilience as well. And so we're going to get into talking about all of that. So, Christy, do you want to start by sharing with us sort of where the idea came from to chat more in depth about this today, what you've been doing lately? Yeah, sure. So oh, clearly with everything happening swirling around in Australia and also overseas, you know, you just see people dealing with really heavy, heavy emotions, but also, you know, disaster, war and just immense tragedy, you know, and it's it's kind of like it's just you don't want to look because it's so, mm. so awful. So for me, um, I just felt like it was a good time to talk about how, how we cope as individuals with these things. Um, I was also at an event last week um, where the focus was on water and it was a neutral kind of platform to talk about people who deal and work with water on, on a daily basis. It obviously touched on drought and flood and it was 12 months last week since the, the floods that came through our neck of the world here along the Murray and Rochester obviously is a community still you know struggling immensely and Mm. and when I heard Brad McEwen who um is a friend of our podcast you know talk about his personal connection with the people in Rochester and how you might drive through the town and that you know everything's sort of being tidied up so to speak but 80% of those houses are still empty of families Mm. and people and so you know he he talked about that looking at that flood disaster kind of like mental health that might look okay from the outside but on the inside you know people are still struggling so I just felt like it was a good time to talk about what resilience is what it means to you as an individual what it looks like in a community and what it looks like in our kids as well Mm. and also the elderly like I had a beautiful weekend in Melbourne with friends and also um, family with my mum and her two sisters who are all in their their 70s and my two beautiful aunties lost their husbands this year and, and the three of them uh, were staying in Melbourne with my sister and I and my cousin. We went to the Elvis show on um, on Sunday and just to see the three of them with all, all kind of challenges for, you know, that time in their life, they're so resilient and they just love life and they just laughed and 
cried and just, you know, it was just such a beautiful time. And that's resilience for me because often elderly people just stay at home because it's safer and it's easier. But the three of them were in the city navigating trams and, you know, trains and and just being in the city. You know, there was a protest on in in the city on Sunday and trying to get to the where we needed to go. And some people would just tap out and say, older people, and say, I'm, I'm done, I'm just going to stay at home. Mm-hmm. So for me, resilience is sometimes overlooked in elderly people as well because we focus on young yeah. as well. So so just on that then, Chris, so when you talk about resilience then, like what does that, what, just go a little bit deeper into what that looks like for you. Is it because they're still able to be at like living their best lives as such? Definitely. Just living and, and sort of not letting that fear of being old sort of hold them back from doing what they want to do or like is that what's sort of, you know, appealing to you or inspiring for yeah. those women? And yeah. for me, resilience is coping with challenge. Like even yes. and, and this week our middle child has started her exams, her U12 exams, and everyone's freaking out and, you know, whatever. But I said to Troy, my husband, last night, like she's got the tools. She's got the tools within her that whatever mm. happens, she'll get through. And and that is resilience because, you know, she might have a result or an exam where she feels like she's bombed out, but she'll pick herself up and, you know, and keep moving. Whereas, you know, sometimes we struggle with that and that's okay, but we need to kind of cope more often than not. And mm. for me, resilience is a huge part of that. It's, mm. it's picking yourself up when times are challenging mm. like like my mum has her health is sort of failing a bit and so physically she has to you know use a walking stick now to sort of get up and downstairs. and I think she thought that was it that was the end of her life she wouldn't get to go to Melbourne anymore she wouldn't get to do the things that she wants to do but she's managed to find a way to work through that and her beautiful sisters have helped her which I got a bit emotional a couple of times I didn't want to kind of bring it up you know too many times because I'm like just to see them I'm like it's just beautiful mm. I just hope that I'm as resilient as they are at their age mm. Mm. it's it's funny when you talk about that too because thinking about this I was I was thinking about resilience as there's sort of there's survival resilience and then there's thriving resilience so you know when when you lose like someone or someone dies or there's a trauma or whatever and you know often you'll hear people say oh I don't know how they did cope with that or or, or a child gets really sick and then everyone's like, oh I don't know how they're doing that but you actually don't have a choice yep. so there's that kind of resilience which is purely just survival that we mm-hmm. have to do you know because you don't the, the choice is you either die or you keep going you know mm-hmm. and, and we and and life throws us all of these things that we have to navigate but then I think there's another part of resilience which is more of this like it's a practice it's a tool it's a skill like you're saying um is it, which daughter was it Finny Vanella yeah yeah she's got the tools and the skills mm-hmm. to navigate those mm-hmm. challenges whereas some people don't have those tools and skills mm-hmm. and they can fall in a big heap but some people you know, the slightest thing can seem like the most massive deal. Totally. Other people can, you know, cope with all and all sorts of challenges. In actual fact, we've got to learn the skills and the tools to be able to cope with that because we all know that, like, life throws all sorts of things at us. Mm. So I think there's a real art to that actually practising being able to be resilient and learning the tools to do it so that we can actually thrive through all these in spite of or despite mm. life's challenges. And I guess that's... Yeah, that's, it's almost like a choice to do that, isn't it? And so because we, we can't choose, like, there's people that live in Rochester or, mm. you know, some or the people who live in all sorts of places in the world. Like, you don't really get a choice at what gets yeah. thrown at you, but you get to choose how you navigate it. And that's really interesting because as you're speaking there and speaking specifically about Rochester, um, we've been working through the Splendid Word with the business community in Rochester over the last eight months Um through a, a Love Rochi campaign looking at trying to share really positive stories about the business community there and getting 
um, other communities around Rochester to really think of them and where they can support Rochester. And, you know, if you're travelling through, stop in the town and really targeting those, you know, Bendigo, Shepherd and Echuca communities that are, are around them. And I know at the start when we were looking at what, you know, how we were going to kind of pitch that campaign and the kind of tone and language, the business community were really clear on the fact that they didn't want us using the term resilient. Mm-hmm. It's like a dirty word. Yeah. Because it's how they're so every if you if you Google any story on Rochester after you know, over the last twelve months since the most recent floods and then in the one that decade beforehand every story talks about Rochester you know this amazing little resilient community which they are and that would be the word that I would have used mm. to describe them the whole time but it was interesting to hear from their point of view that they it was almost painful for them hearing people constantly describing them as resilient because as, as you've just explained there as well they didn't have a choice yeah in that. they yep. had to just mm. get through it they had to front up they mm. had to they couldn't just what give up mm. uh, that's not a choice but I guess also what you're saying is yeah in situations like that it may not be a choice but there's probably levels and layers to it in in how you bounce back and Correct. how you get through it and whether you do just survive and you know not much happens on the other side of it or do you try and take that challenge and turn it into a real real positive yes. in some way which isn't an easy thing to do and that takes time and it's you know in the immediate aftermath of something like that it's it's very difficult but um yeah it's just interesting and i think we've got this individual resilience that we're talking about and also community resilience mm. like particularly in smaller communities like rochester but last week at this forum where we that we talked about water there was lots of sort of government organisations and businesses there talking about their community resilience programs. And I didn't get a chance to actually ask them individually what that looks like, but I feel like, you know, local and state and national governments need to be looking at community resilience programs. And and mm. I don't know what they look like either, but because it's a conversation that needs to be had on a broader scale, mm. not just individually. You know, mm. what, what do we do in communities um, other than, you know, keeping fit? perhaps, you know, encouraging mm-hmm. people to stay healthy. What do we do from a community resilience point yeah. of view? Am I, and maybe I'm missing stuff. Like maybe, you know, listeners out there might be involved in some programs with um, our work with The Splendid Word. I'm working with the Compassby Library and they do a um, social prescribing um, program, which is basically helping individuals in the community who are struggling to access programs and to, to support them mentally, mm, you know, connecting and them with the connecting emotionally. And it is the most amazing program. And it, but it's the first of its kind literally in Australia. Mm. Like it's been piloted by the State Library of Victoria in Echuca. Wow. I know. And it's massive in Canada and the US and the UK and we don't do it here. Mm. So we've just created a podcast for it, which is exciting. Oh, cool. And I'll share that as it comes to fruition. But like this stuff is so important. All the health organisations are going, this is amazing because mm. it's taking the pressure off doctors and nurses mm. and people who are caring for people when they're unwell because often people will go to the doctor just to talk to someone. That's right. But and what better goes, place than a Particularly library. the elderly. You know, libraries yes. are such community hubs and it's where people do go to connect. Yeah, and stuff. it goes back to it's individuals have to take responsibility yes. for how they're showing up. And, of course, that's hard depending on, you know, how you came into the world, what your family family of origin and was like. And the support like, you have, particularly the in the elderly. Had, all of that. But at the same time, the more that we can equip ourselves going back to it's the baseline, like to be resilient and to have good resilience and to be able to face life's challenges and all of those things, you have to have a good baseline of taking care of yourself, you know, charging that battery like Megan and I always Mm -hmm. talk about and having that baseline first. And then that then filters through the whole community. 
I think it's really interesting. Like it does, it does get thrown around as this buzzword, yeah, this resilience. Yeah. But what does it actually mean? But it's also not held up. Like I mean, most people I would speak to in Nutuka would never have heard of this program, except for those who use it. At yeah, the library. it's not held up as important as winning grand finals on the footy field, or like it's not mm. held up as important enough from a community yeah, point of view. But then when it comes to sort of farmers and stuff too, we always say oh, farmers are so resilient. Mm. And so I was thinking about that. There's twofold. So one is because sometimes resilience can just mean, well, you just suck it up and get through. Yes. <laughs> but actually, resilience is really so. I mean, Brene Brown sort of has her definition of it, and a big part of resilience is having hope. And is, like, that, is that her definition? No, she's got. There's four parts to it. I'll tell you what they are. Yeah, that'd be great. So according to Brene Brown, to become resilient, you need to develop hope. Use critical awareness to combat societal pressures. So that's like, you know, if you're seeing stuff on social media all the time and you feel like you should be doing something like, oh, I should be a certain size or I should mm-hmm. look a certain way or I need to be, you have to go hang on a minute and like, sure. you know, especially, and that's especially relevant too when you're looking at what's happening in the world Absolutely. and any information that's out there, like, hang on a minute, yeah. how can I critically look critical at this? Awareness. Is it, mm-hmm. you know, what I actually think or do I need to get some more information? Refuse to numb your negative emotions. Now, I think that one is really important. Mm, say that again. Refuse to numb your negative emotions, as in feel your feelings. That's and I think massive. that's where resilience gets confused a lot, particularly, say, in a rural community. And if I think about, say, my mum, like I always think of mum, people would say, oh, she's so resilient. But in actual fact, I think she just squashed a lot of her feelings yeah. down, which a lot of rural that's people do. In that generation too, I think. Yeah, so that's not necessarily, I don't think, mm-hmm. resilience as much as just denial. Yeah. Or just, I don't know, being stoic and just pushing through stoic, no matter what. Definitely stoic. But that can lead to all sorts of other problems. Like unless you actually feel your feelings uh-huh. and, and turn deal away. with your like It's really easy to turn away. Like I was watching the news last night and they had some really confronting footage in um, the Gaza Strip. Mm. Like it's easier just to turn the channel over. And sometimes you do need to. Oh, because well. it was it, absolutely harrowing. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, it's that feeling the feelings and not just pushing the emotions to one side that is actually a really important part mm-hmm. of because that's what builds your strength and your capacity to cope with more things. Yes. If you just squash it down, you're kind of just pushing it to the side. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, and then embracing spirituality. Like that's that knowing that you're part of something greater than you mm. and connecting yourself. The sun will still come up tomorrow. Like, you know, yeah. that was mentioned last week, um, you know, with this um, with water and, um, you know, like no matter what happens to you, like mm. the reality is the sun will still come up mm-hmm. tomorrow and, the, and life continues on. Mm. You know, that's... And that's harsh, but it's also, it, it can give you hope as well. That's mm. interesting, that fourth one. That's not one I would have thought no. of. Definitely mm. hope and critical awareness and that refusing to numb your negative feelings. I would think, yes, that makes perfect sense to me. That last one I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, but it makes it sense makes, as well, it does. doesn't it? You yeah. know, that knowing that you're part of something greater, connecting mm-hmm. to your spiritual self, that inner knowing of who you really are, all of that stuff yeah, is a huge part of resilience. this will all be okay. And yeah. it'll all be okay. Yeah. And that's a part huge part. But then I was thinking back to it because she goes on to talk about like the steps of um, of hope. And well, I make thinking, sure we share this in the show notes. Yes. Please. And I was thinking about, well, this is sort of fun. It's like to have hope, you have to set goals, plan out exactly what you need to do to achieve those goals, feel motivated to pursue those goals. And then, you know, follow through on them. And I was like, well, that is sort of farming, isn't it? Like every mm-hmm. year you have this hope that the crop will grow and Definitely. you know what you need to do. So you plan it out, you have the goal of what you're going to grow. So there is a lot of that resilience, mm. that sort of behaviour in farmers, but then it can also manifest as like, well, we just get through no matter what, when actually what needs to be done is that hard decision or some discomfort. And I think that's that's the bit with kids these days too, and even as adults, we cannot sit with discomfort. No. So it's ruining or it's depleting our ability to be resilient yeah, because that, we just that avoid. Refusing to numb the, the negative emotions. So yep. often when our kids are feeling in that, messy middle and feeling that way 
we go and we find something it. to yeah. make them happy yeah. or to, you know. We won't let them sit with that because right. we can't do it ourselves. So yeah. we're detracting by it. drinking too much alcohol or exercising our way out of it or not exercising. Like, you know, we're avoiding yeah. and numbing in all these other ways because yep. we don't want to sit with discomfort. Scrolling on social media. Scrolling on social media. Yeah. Yep. And so then when something serious happens or there is a big life thing, we can't. We don't have the ability to cope with that and navigate it because we're just so used to numbing so all those that feelings. That makes me wonder if moving forward, that makes me think resilience is going to become even more important totally. and harder to attain Absolutely. because of all the addictive things Absolutely. that there are out there now and the way social media is. Like, not often do people just sit with their mm. thoughts and feelings anymore. Exactly. So yep. if we don't, how are we... I mean, we're not feeling those emotions. We are numbing them every time. That's exactly right. And I think this is why it's becoming such a big problem, isn't it? Like we're less and less resilient because we're just detracting from those really uncomfortable, tricky So we're feelings. getting through. We're getting yes. through things. Yes. We're surviving, but, but we're not thriving. thriving. Oh, yeah. look at that. <laughs> I would love actually to hear from, from you guys now and, and myself about, you know, what you do, like for resilience for yourself like personally and within your family maybe just one one or two things like and I've, I know for me I'm happy to start like mine is being an optimist and being positive well that's the number one thing but I know so you're nailing it often I think it's <laughs> often I think it's to a fault and I used to feel like it was a weakness of mine mm. I'm like oh god you know I, you know like I used to and with Lee and I spoke about this when we first started the splendid word and spreading the good stuff and yeah. we're like oh people think we're just like crazy because we're just looking through rose-coloured glasses like all the time yeah. you know but slowly over time people really embraced what we were trying to do mm. and they are like we need more of this stuff yeah. you know and mm. and you do see it now even on the news they'll have like a little positive story at yeah. the end just to kind of you know so it is kind of there but it's still not given as much bloody and back then for you and I that came from a place of you know both of us with backgrounds in journalism and having worked in news mm. media where God, all it was was the negative stuff. So that was a really conscious choice as well by us. It doesn't mean do you're that. in denial though. No, like it never no, meant that no. it doesn't having optimism and having hope doesn't mean that you then can't have any you know, you don't sit with anything difficult. It's not God, it's, no. it's it's all of that together, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think that's where it gets misled. Oh, you just because people that and that's almost like self sabotage or you know, detracting from the work of actually being hopeful. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you're just seeing everything with rose-coloured glasses or you're just, you're just so hopeful. Like, it's like, no, but that still takes there's, work. There's a massive difference. And I know there are some people out there who don't ever, like, with everything that's happening in the Middle East and the same with the referendum, I know plenty of people who refuse to watch anything about it, don't want to learn a thing about it, knew nothing of the referendum. Now with everything happening in the Middle East, no, nah, don't watch the news, not interested, don't mm. want to know about that. I... I find that really that that's that's different in then just going through and being really positive because you're just ignoring that that's yeah. all happening. There are people who do that, mm. but yeah, there's there's such a it's such a balancing act to make sure you are educating yourself. You do know what's going on around in the rest of the world, mm. and then still being able to hold hold both and exactly. still choose to be hopeful. Um, that I think you've nailed it there. You've got to hold both and then choose to be helpful. And like, I think our kids notice it. Like I've got it. What's better, the alternative? Yeah, exactly. we'll bury your head in the sand not right. and just, avoid the discomfort. Or just feel <laughs> terrible every day yeah, because exactly. the world is screwed. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. right. So we don't. It's the only option. And I know, like, um, our kids do notice it when people are optimistic and and positive as well. Like I know when my kids were young and 
all of us would know Sue Shearer, a friend of ours, like, and she's so super positive and Mm -hmm. so like, you know, just lights up a room. And even my kids were sort of, you know, too young to even know what resilience meant. Like we, I'd chat to Susan, she would leave and they'd all just go, oh, isn't she just the most amazing, you know, like positive and just, it would just almost lighten up their day. And it's such a gift, Mm. you know, it is such a gift because I often say to our kids, you always want to leave a room, you know, better than when you, when you arrived in yeah. it because oh, you know absolutely. other people and you want to leave the world that way too. exactly mm. whereas I mean I, it is hard to not you know you do want people to share their their struggles and their challenges too but it's it's hard when people are we're all down all the time and and showing that on the outside all the time it's um it doesn't always help does it? But, but it's the end it's like yes life is hard and mm-hmm. what are we going to do about it yes you know like, that's yeah. resilience that's resilience exactly so what do you guys mm. do for resilience to, to oh, well, I mean, my whole Shut life up. is basically designed around. <laughs> let, me, let me talk you through my day. Where should no, I start? You have to answer that in two short words. It's, it's literally my life's work. But it's, it's you know, the basics are, the basis of it is looking after myself, taking yeah. care of myself, charging my battery, working on myself all the time to be, you know, and Meg and I actually did a great interview with Meg about what is the work Yes, yeah, the other day it, for the yeah. podcast. And we'll share that. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it's it starts from how I start my day. It's the meditation practices. It's exercising every day. It's making sure I'm getting enough sleep. It's thinking about how my relationships are. And it's just having this, like, that self-awareness and the ability to face whatever life throws at you and just having, equipping yourself with as much, I guess so many, as like you were saying, as many tools as possible. Yep. And then with the kids, so the way that plays out with me for the kids, which, oh gosh, I'm not, parenting is still like I just find parenting so hard and I'm constantly going, oh, I'm stuffing it all up. Yeah. But, but one thing I do try to do is not detract, like if they're having difficult mm. emotions, I try to like, okay, yeah, how are you feeling? Same. I think yeah. I've got better at this with each kid. Like I'm so good at it with Henry now, like as soon as he's having a meltdown or whatever, like how are you feeling, mate? Tell, you know, I'm frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and just like naming the feelings and just sitting with it and not trying to be like, Oh, here's a lolly yeah, or, you know, exactly. have, have an ice cream. You look like, back to number one child and think, oh, oh the poor things. Poor thing. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? I have my number one child now, like, trying to, you know, helping the others and, you know, like, yes. he's, he's already taken up that role of, yeah. uh, you know, giving advice, and which is really So cute. good. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's just, just, just a little micro thing. I mean, there's probably lots of things that we do each day, but one thing is really just trying not to, yeah, uh, le- like letting them sit with the difficult feelings and talking to them about stuff like not yes. so if they ask questions about things I will talk to them about it and explain to them about it and don't like avoid the difficult conversations yeah. with them and let them sit with discomfort and yeah like un- and help them sort of articulate and talk through when difficult things happen like we well, didn't get picked in the sports team or whatever it's not like oh well all the other kids are just mean yes. it's like yeah that must be really hard and we talked about this didn't we in our in that episode recently about sport you know like and yeah. i've had that conversation with finale doing her exams like you know you actually have to care a little bit less about the outcome which is mm. so counterintuitive in our society and you know totally. like win 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 you know like if you've done the work and you've worked hard then the outcome is irrelevant mm. and that's something that i've learned in yoga philosophy mm-hmm. and teaching like so don't worry about the outcome the outcome is irrelevant doesn't matter what it looks like it's how it makes you feel totally and just do your best and like what as long as like you said as long as you've put in the work and you feel like you've done your best then you got to let go Mm. of the outcome boy is that hard and if you haven't done the work (laughs) and if you haven't done the work and you get a shit outcome then that's just life and it's also your you take responsibility (laughs) totally i mean all right what am i going to do next time yeah yeah sorry lee your turn turn, lee no all i was going to say was that i feel like my 
after you suggested a couple of days ago, Kirsty, that we talk about resilience, I sort of had a little bit of a think on it and it made me realise that my relationship with resilience has <clears throat> changed quite dramatically over the years. Um, I thought it was one thing and it's only since we decided that we would talk about this and I then examined it that I realised um, what I think it is now is quite different. And I actually, I when I was thinking about this, I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put it into words and describe why or how, how it's changed. So I actually wrote a couple, I, I did a bit of kind of journaling on it and I hope you don't She's mind. She's got two I, A4 pages wow, printed out here, here guys. So I just, thought, uh, oh, you are a prepared. Well, I actually <laughs> this felt, is next level. I got a little <laughs> bit too emotional level. to talk about oh, it wow. without having written it. I thought I can't just talk about it, so I need to write it down oh. to keep me on track. Well, I'm excited now. Yeah. Well, this is just to kind of probably show what I thought resilience was and now how I how I've come to kind of see it now. So I made my first ever appointment with a psychologist this week. I haven't had the session yet, but I went to a GP and I got a referral and the date's in the calendar for next week. So it mightn't sound like a big deal to anybody who sees psychologists regularly, um, and I know many, many do, and that's amazing. But to me, um, it's massive and it's taken me a long time to get there and I've thought about it for a long time, but I just haven't taken the steps to do it. And to me, it's massive because it's evidence of a shift in me. So evidence of me taking off some of my armour, of mm. embracing vulnerability and of fully and finally, hopefully, letting go of perfectionism and a fear of failure that has kind of been alongside me for most of my life. So when I was younger, I would never have considered seeing a counsellor. In truth, and I could only admit that now when I was thinking about this the other day, that I would have seen it as a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, as a child, I was a highly sensitive empath who felt everything deeply. I still am yep. and I still do. But I was raised in a family, and I'm sure you'll um, kind of, this will speak to you as well, Katrina and probably you too, Christy, growing up on farms, where strength and resilience were a way of life. Mm. And so very early on, I misguidedly saw my gentle nature as a sign of weakness, and so I pushed that down. And ours was a deeply loving and happy family, but those traits were just part of our DNA. And whether it was the era era and that generation um, or whether it was generations of farming family kind of life, um, I grew up with an innate sense of how vital it was to be strong mm. um, and capable and resilient. We didn't ever ask anyone for help as a family. Um, we just gritted our teeth and we got on with things. And so when my dad received a terminal cancer diagnosis at the age of 45, we didn't ask for any help. We were all heartbroken, naturally, um, but we put on our brave faces. And I don't remember if that was a decision that we talked about, but we all just knew we put on our brave faces and as a family we just fought our way through the hardest days of our lives. But the truth is, um, despite that brave front through those years, I was completely, I know I'm going to get emotional, Completely broken. I was terrified and devastated and just so, so sad. I didn't want anyone to know how much I was struggling. And so the only place I let those feelings out was on the pages of my journal. I thought that if I didn't hold myself together on the outside during that time, I would never get through what we were being asked to get through. And so at the age of 19, I put on my armour, I braced myself for the unthinkable and I bravely held 
my dad's hand every step of the way, day by day, as cancer took him away from us. And in the 25 years since we travelled that journey, I've kept wearing that armour. I've learned how to straddle the intense grief of losing him with living a really happy life. And in the days before he died, he asked us to grab hold of life with both hands and to live it, and that's what we've done. But, gosh, I've missed him terribly every day since. And I still cry, you know, all the time when I think about him and how much we've all missed. Since that time, there's been many occasions over the years where friends have talked about seeing uh, a counsellor at various stages of their lives. Friends and people that I've respected um, talked about seeing counsellors or psychologists to help them through challenging times. Well, it's always piqued my curiosity and I've thought, oh, that sounds like a really good thing to do. I always deep down kind of felt really proud that I'd been able to get through mm-hmm. without doing that and get through on my own. But this year, something has shifted for me. We've been going through some intense health challenges with our youngest child, which have been ongoing for many years now, but which have been peaking in their severity. And at times it's been a hard and, and particularly lonely road uh, with his condition, but we've been managing it in our own way, drawing on that same strength and the same resilience that I had come to know intimately over my lifetime. Except the thing I realised this year was that I wasn't managing it. Um, thanks to this long journey that I've been on now of self-inquiry and excavation and discovery, I could finally see that. I needed professional support, not just for what we were going through with our child in the present, but for what I went through as a teenager in the past. And I finally gave myself permission to raise the white flag and I asked for help. And there's a number of things to that, but I hope that in doing that and in going and organising an appointment to go and see a professional, not only will I get the support I need to help me through, not that I'm not managing, but to just help help me through so I don't have to do it on my own, but it will also show my kids that there's no <clears throat> no weakness in that, that they can be strong, they can be capable and resilient and that they can ask for help when they need it. So sorry I had to write that down because I knew I wouldn't be able to say it without writing it down. That's the way I always work. I'm a writer and that's how I do it. I find it easier to put things into words on paper than I do to say them, particularly when they involve big emotions like that. But I just thought I couldn't speak about resilience with you girls and in this podcast without kind of sharing that journey for me and just how much it has shifted over the years. And what I thought resilience was back in the day is actually so different now. Um, And it's it's taken 45 years to kind of get to that point. But I thought resilience meant you have to be strong, you have to do it on your own, you have to get through things. Mm. And if you show... Um, you know, too much emotion around things, then that means you're not emotional. Or if mm-hmm. you ask for help, that means, sorry, yeah, if you ask for help, that's not being resilient. But isn't it crazy? It's taken all this time to get to a point where I actually, I still find it hard. And I know I've said that before in, in our podcast recordings that I find it hard asking for help. But I think that's a big part of it. Mm. Um, anyway, I've done it. And, I'm help, and who you. knows how this is going to go next week? I might wow. see a psychologist and we won't get along at all. And it'll be an absolute Well, then you just try another one. But then yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yes, thank you for that sharing. That was so good, like mm. so powerful. And I think just really exactly highlights from your experience, mm. what exactly what we're talking totally. about and that yeah. perception of what resilience is versus yeah. what you've come to understand it is yeah. from your personal experience. I can relate to so and much also of that. Story. I know that even though you knew and, and, mm. and probably already knew that it was 
there for like there if you needed it. Yeah. And lots of people, as you said, you knew probably had access that help, but you still had that really hard to do it. And I, yeah. and it's something like I had to do it myself. It's not something someone else can totally. take along and organize. And I think the other thing too that's important to um to understand is like over the years and through doing all this, this that kind of work on self is that as we've talked about, I've got so many tools in the toolbox mm. and there are so many things that I do in my day-to-day life, which is why I probably most I do just manage and mm. get, get, along, get along um, and have good mental health and can get through most things pretty well. But it almost it's like it almost reached a point of, okay, I've, I've got this great toolkit, these are all the things that I do. There's probably not much more I can do in that space. What else is there? What else yes. is there that I haven't tried before? Yep. Okay. The one thing I've never tried is speaking to a professional. An expert. Yep. Who knows what they're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. not just, I mean, I've got obviously you girls and lots of beautiful girlfriends that you talk to that but are that support network, same. but it's very no. different to, mm. um, yeah, actually going and, and seeing somebody. And I've I got think, so many thoughts and questions I know, for I don't even you. know where to start, but I know from my experience, like I saw a counsellor many years ago too when I was struggling with um, one of our kids. He was going through a really tough time and, and I blame myself. Like I'm mm. like, God, oh, it's me, it's my parenting. Like, you know, I've stuffed this all up. And, and that, that made me not cope with what was happening day to day. Mm-hmm. Like it made me just not cope at all. So I went and spoke to a counsellor and she completely changed the way I was looking mm. at, yeah. at what I was dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, and she didn't give me any silver bullet you know answers or but she just made me look at it differently and she changed me I changed myself which then changed the way I was approaching the whole situation yeah which is absolutely yes. game changer yeah. I only went once and that's all I needed and I'm like mm. wow yeah, how long has this been going on for exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I'm gonna do isn't it like oh my but god why has it taken me it's just well, well it's also just the layers because we only know what we know yeah and we're peeling back these layers but I think what, what I picked up on like lots of things for you but <laughs> One thing is that you've got this guilt, which I can relate to, around living a happy life, but also there's just this other, like, there's other stuff still going on. Mm. And it's like you are happy and and I think sometimes we can judge ourselves for at what point we get to that stage too. Mm. Like you're like, and I've had that too. I'm like, God, I'm 42. Why am I still dealing with this stuff? But it's yeah. just another layer. Of and course. it's like a new layer of growth. Mm. And I thought it's really interesting that it's the, the challenge with your child that has been the catalyst of for course. you looking deeper. So it's like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm all right, I'm, I'm doing okay, and then you get this, okay, there's another layer yeah, there right. that is triggered that I actually need to. Yeah. And it's not that you're not coping, like you said, you're coping. Yeah. And stuff will always. But you're curious yeah. about a deeper layer, and I think that's, And stuff you know, will always awesome. And as it. soon as I knew that I was ready to make that appointment and it was that he was the catalyst, I, I knew then that it wasn't just going to be about that, though. Yeah, 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 it never is. No, that's right. And I think that this sort of support is so important because you know the reality is you've only got to look at the world to say like stuff's always going to happen, whether it be to us personally, within our families, within our communities, within our country, within our world. So it's how we deal with that stuff. Mm. That's that's the that's the only thing that's going to in the micro moments. Yeah, it's like every day. The other thing that I I felt too, and I don't know if anyone's ever experienced this, is and maybe it was just my way of not having to make the appointment and do it over years, is that I always thought <clears throat> there are so many people who need these services. So oh, yeah, everyone else is worse and off. And there's such, yeah. a, such a demand for them and such huge waiting lists and I don't need to be clogging that up because I've got all the tools to help mm. myself. Oh, mate. It's not that I wouldn't say when we're talking about what how you would de- um, define resilience and not, it's not that I've not sat with emotions. Like I, I'm good at doing that and mm. I, I am a journaler and I always, you know, can let those things out. So it's not as if I've 
just pushed them down and never dealt with it. But it's definitely that I've never asked for help. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's like there's these hidden layers so too. Like what, something I realised when I went on that retreat was that like I, and I still find it really hard to accept that losing dad was trauma. Mm. Like I have, because I'm always like, oh, it's, it, no. and, and you know, sitting in the horseshoe at the retreat and you're listening to all everyone else's problems, I'm like, oh, my God, everyone else has got it so much worse. What am I even <laughs> doing here, you know? Yes. And then like just having that acceptance that losing your father to suicide is trauma. Because you probably didn't want to accept And I still yeah. really struggle to accept yes. that. And it's yeah. almost like you with this, because like, yeah. we got taught to just, well, we're just going to carry on, we're going to cope and we're okay, even though that was really hard. Yes. We're okay. This is part of life. Yeah. We... So it's almost like you've got to go back and accept, mm-hmm. no, that was really, really, really hard. Yeah. And I'm still working through that. Like, yes. And that's where you're and at you too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's and like, that's okay. Do you know what though? How, and I often talk to Meg about this, I feel so, not that, lucky is not the right word, but I'm glad that I'm in the position where I can Less. embrace this. Yes. Rather than it's ruining my life mm. or I'm not coping with it still or it's like, and, and you're the same. It's this invitation. You've got this beautiful invitation yeah. to. It's an opportunity. Dis- it's an opportunity to discover yeah. another layer. That's right. You know, and to work through. And, and, and what results from that is a more full, more rich, more resilient way of approaching life, you know, and it's just, it yeah. never ends. And you yeah. see people in crisis, you know, like even, you know, you've only got to be in Melbourne to see, you know, homeless people and mm. where drugs and alcohol, like, you know, I often say to my kids, because when they're at an age, when they're a bit younger, they get really scared of homeless people. Yeah. Mm. And it is mm. confronting, but I'm like, you know, those people have had something go wrong in their life and they haven't had the support or the resilience or the whatever that's just it, it was a turning point you know mm-hmm. they're not bad people no yeah. one sets out to be like that that's right you have to have that empathy to, to know that they didn't have the tools mm. and you know there was a turning point they didn't know how to come back from that and that, that's what mm. it is well you know more often than homeless like i look around exactly. at people like people not friends coping. community like there's there's a lot of people who are just purely in survival mode and can't deal with the most yeah. slight things in life because it's you know they can't sit oh, with discomfort numbing and out, numbing out yeah and they can't deal with when their children have a problem and they you know it's just like this totally. yeah so and we're critical of those people well the society is critical. we try not to be critical no, but of society is pretty <laughs> yes. critical of people who don't cope and that's my point coming back to I that know. community so resilience. True. We need to acknowledge it and get better at it because otherwise we just go, oh, that's not my problem. Like, but that's you know, what was well, your problem yeah, so because I think you were like, well, I'm coping. That's right. So if people like me, and then, again, it's the doing the work mm-hmm. so that you can't make those changes in yourself. So people like me can change a whole lifetime of programming and Correct. And, and so forth, then then we all can. And, and that's people better for us. And that's yeah. why I'm hoping that in doing this and, and I've told the kids that I'm doing this, that they then understand that it's okay for them to ask them. Because otherwise our, that cycle and pattern that has, you know, been a part of our family Nothing will continue. Will, will that's continue. right. And that's Oh, I'm proud though, I've got goosebumps. So, oh, me actually. too. That was so oh, proud of you. God, we need wine. Yeah. What time is it? <laughs> oh, too early oh, it's really dark. It's 10 to 12. No, but what <laughs> no we're not going to mask our emotions, Christy. No, but no, I mean wine as in celebrating today's bravery. Oh, I'm sorry I had to. And you that. know, the other thing that I noticed when I was sitting there listening to you was just sitting with, and this is a school that I've been practising, and listening mm. to the difficult emotions. Because the tendency, what comes up for me as oh, soon as I see you cry, is like, it's okay, Lee, well, let's change the subject. I'm like, no. We're going to sit, yes. let Lee cry, yes. let her do it. And even you, I'm sorry, I'm crying. It's like, no, 
Crying's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. They've all got to cry more, you know, know like sit with these emotions and that's what builds Crying's resilience. Crying's easy to do if behind closed doors when there's no one listening or watching, but, and I do plenty of that, but I, I'm not good at doing it in front of people. Yeah, I know. But, but that's, I think, yeah. anyway, I've just shared that on the podcast so episode. Good. Let's hope no one listens to this one. I think listening deeply is such a skill. <laughs> oh, such a skill. And I came home from my 30-year reunion the other day um, and it was amazing and saw all the people from school and everyone and I said to my husband, I actually tried really hard just to listen and not talk too much. And he looked at me with that look as if to say, how did that go for you? And I had my friend, my, one of my best friends there, I said, no, Jess, didn't I do lots of listening? And she's nodding her head. But I go, because, you know, there were some people who walked out of that classroom 30 years ago that had never been back. You know, like yeah. I mean, one boy left after year eight and had never been back. And he was there. I'm like, that's so brave. Yeah. Yes. And a few people in conversations said they're really nervous about coming, whereas I'm thinking, what would you be nervous about? Because that's, oh, yeah. like, I'm super lucky and not, yeah. I see friends from school all the time. But so I thought to myself, and I am one to kind of just take over and talk and blah, 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 like share it all. And, you I know, know what that was like. <laughs> so I went in with this kind of like you know mental note just to listen listen deeply and and I did try really hard and and yeah it was great it was it did well I felt like I've made a real effort and it was important and, and at this forum last week when people were talking about challenges and water and disaster number one of the number one things of the day was just to listen oh, we're not absolutely. here to fix everyone's problems you know you cannot fix the issue of water because it's so emotional mm. and so problematic we're just here to listen yeah that stuff doesn't happen enough no that's no, exactly and like right you just said it is hard it's really it is hard. it's a skill it's a, yeah. it's a practice but it's also like it's such a good feeling when you genuinely hold space it's for someone gift. and you listen mm-hmm. and you just let them you know have the floor talk say what they need to say it just makes you feel so good as well so yeah, yeah, treat it like that. And yeah, it is a gift and it's a practice. And the other thing I just wanted to say about resilience is, which you sort of touched on, but it is a skill that you can practice. Anybody can the develop muscle. resilience. The yeah. muscle. So don't think, oh, it's all I'm just in survival, it's all hopeless, I'm you know, mm. I've got no skills, I can't sit with discomfort, it's all too hard. It's a skill. It, it's a skill. It's a choice, it's a practice. You can learn how to become more resilient and actually implement that. So mm. that because you never know what life's gonna throw at you. You just uh-huh. don't, you know? That's the only guarantee is that the guarantee shit's gonna happen, happen to us. Hundred <laughs> percent. So let's all and just do because our one best. thing happens doesn't mean you've had your quota. No, no exactly. exactly. It keeps on happening. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. oh, we need to share what we're loving right, before we wrap up. Gonna go first. Um, well, I am. Well, I think I'm loving. I've started this book in this last week. I've had it um, since my first child was born, who's almost 16. So <laughs> the girls will attest to it. It's a it's a bloody, bloody big book. It's like 960 a pages oh, long. Shit. And look at the size of the print. Wow. You have to wear your reading glasses. That's a commitment. But anyway, it's Andrew Solomon's Far from the Tree. I, it wasn't you that recommended it to me, no, Christy. I, I don't remember it. who it was way back when. And I'm only probably 50 pages into it and it's it's amazing. So um, it's about it's about raising children, so it's ah, to help with that. But it's wow. it, far from the trees talking about what happens when your child isn't, you know, you know the, the saying that the apple doesn't, doesn't fall far from the tree, mm. but what happens when it does? Mm. So he interviews um, wow. over 300 families documenting. Oh, so it's non-fiction. Yeah, it's non-fiction, documenting wow. ordinary people making courageous choices. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it's um, so, so far it's really cool, but I'll come back and report in on yeah, it. But wow. I'm just so proud we'll come that back in March finally. Next year. <laughs> but isn't this an indication of where oh, I'm at in life? Totally. I've finally gone and picked this book off the shelf and gone, Ooh. It's okay. been there for I've a long time. I've got time to read this yeah. 960 page book. 
Wow. So that's telling I've got a bit of space going Bravo. on. Bravo. Great. Good She's work. Excited. Creating space was actually oh. a theme of my yoga this week. And I, I know oh. that I've been banging on about yoga, but it is the, it is the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, like yeah. For me, honestly, I was nearly in tears last week. So I started doing this blokes only class. I saw that. On the back of a couple of guys that have been coming to my class, like classes since I started, but one um, local beautiful man, Sam Kennedy, who's a doctor here in town, and he's like, right, I'm going to get blokes. So he's been pestering blokes like for two weeks to come and do uh, yoga. And I had my first all blokes class last week, many of whom had never been on a yoga mat before. And they absolutely bloody loved it, you know. And, I mean, I love doing it too. And just the bravery, Mm. like, for for men all over the age of 40 who, you know, try something they haven't done, yoga is uncomfortable both physically and emotionally, you know, because you have to stop and be with your thoughts and breathe, you know, all that stuff. And then I had my second one um, last night as well and we had even more. And everyone, like, just the level of, like, um, gratitude and, um, yeah, I just have been blown away and it's just been I'm in your WhatsApp group and everybody's in it. Some of the names of men popping up, I'm like, Wow. wow! Like each I time I see, oh my gosh, they're doing it! Like it's so exciting. Oh, so good. And and for me, it touches on this whole resilience thing. Like I feel like it's come. You know, it's, I had a, one guy reach out to me and just say like how much he loved it and how much he needed it, and women as well. And I'm like, you're, you know, these things fall in front of us when we mm. need them the most, but mm. we have to then be brave enough to to jump in and do it. Yeah. And it's building that kind of not just resilience, but peeling back the layers mm. you know like five years ago i would have said there's no way you would have got 12 blokes at a yoga class mm. you know on a wednesday night we're not that different men and women no we do not. both need that stuff exactly so it's and just normalizing mm-hmm. it for men giving themselves mm. permission and i know my husband who comes regularly he's my biggest critique i'm always like you know what did you like and what didn't you like and he's really great with feedback but he goes for me the biggest thing the biggest thing is the meditation at the end he said oh, oh. i would just come for that yes and i'm like so i've made that longer now and we did this beautiful restorative pose last night and they're all just going oh my god like it was and, and one of our beautiful listeners tristan nevin he he came last night he's oh. a friend of the podcast and he brought along a mate and he goes honestly i loved every minute of it oh and my I, god i, I could really i nearly did cry <laughs> when they're all like at the end with their namaste i was just like oh my god i honor you and i just had goosebumps and i oh, I felt so privileged to be in that position oh. that they trusted me. Oh, so so my girlfriend and I, after yoga yes. the other morning with you, Lauren and I were at the gym and we were both doing some core, you know, <laughs> core work. Both like, oh, I wish we were at yoga. And we both just said, isn't Shavasana like the best word in the world? As yeah. soon as you hear Shavasana, it's just like, just woohoo. Go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop banging on okay. yoga. Well, I'm loving Beckham, the doctor. Oh, uh, yes. That's what I was going to say. Great share. shifting gears. There. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's so good. I know it's designed to make them look good, but it really does. And I think it actually, you know, to be honest, it, it really highlights a lot of the stuff we're talking about in terms of resilience because totally. boy, was he resilient. Mm. You know, when you watch both it, of them, both of them, absolutely. G did posh put up with a lot, but you know, it, it gives you this sense of him that I had didn't know before. I mean, A, he was just a brilliant footballer, which I had no idea just how good he was. Mm-hmm. But he also just weathered all of the storms. Like he faced a lot of challenges and he just kept And got treated going. like meat. He like just kept going. Mm-hmm. He was so committed. Mm-hmm. He just kept going. He obviously had the hope because he just loved the sport so much. And it's just this, yeah, and, and also really interesting how differently things would be handled now in terms of his mental health and like oh, yeah. what he had to put up with and how he was just like thrown to the wolves basically. Totally. So, yeah, there's a lot in it and it's just and, and a testament to their marriage and what they've been through as a couple and, and Bosch the family, is hilarious. The family. Boys, Family's really important to them. You really get this sense. And his mum and dad just seem like absolute legends, like they could be our mum and dad, you know, like really down-to-earth people still. Yeah. 
which is obviously why he's been able to, you know, yes. continue on and all of that. So it's well worth watching. It's so good. Highly and is that recommend. on Netflix? It's on Netflix. And speaking of tally, I'm not sure if you guys watch um, ABC Take 5. Zan Rowe, she interviews um, like mm-hmm. well-known identities, music and also non-music about, and it's their top five songs that they love and why it means oh, a lot yes. to them. Yep. She's done a podcast for many years and this is the second live sort of, you know, television series and she interviewed Jimmy Barnes the other night and talking about peeling back the layers Mm -hmm. and he was talking about when he first you know kind of took the guard down and and went and saw a psychologist he goes because I always thought psychologists were for crazy people Mm. (laughs) Jimmy Barnes (laughs) who spent 45 years of his life drunk yeah you know just to survive and I was in tears watching it and I have Mm. read his book which is harrowing his first one but that's another amazing story Mm -hmm. of just like changing things up and he, he was too scared to be his real person because he thought people wouldn't like him and, and his wife would leave him and leave him and it just it's just an amazing story and yeah so if you want some feel-good television take fives and wrote catching up on on ivy as well. or beckham, mm. just, or beckham. Just, beckham. Out. just go and watch beckham it's just fascinating when they throw the doors open on a family oh, so good so good yeah mm. all right yeah, we better finish we better wrap up we've done a lot today that was a lot you've got a lunch date i have a lunch date yeah exactly thank you for listening thanks guys and for ladies for sharing resilience it was a can of work but a mm. wonderful can of worms oh, and frequent bravery. Great job. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And if anyone has any feedback or any questions or comments, just touch base with us um, via Instagram and we'll put all the great little nuggets in the show notes. So thanks for spreading the good stuff. Yes. Bye for now. Bye, guys. See you later. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spreading the Good Stuff. It is so lovely to have your company here. If you enjoyed the show, we would absolutely love it if you you hit the little arrow at the top of the podcast iTunes page there or like it on Spotify and also give us a rating. Five would be fabulous. If it's not a five for you, then maybe just don't bother. That's okay. But if it is, we would love for you to help us spread the good stuff more by supporting us and also tell your friends about it. We all know that word of mouth is the best way to learn about new things. Maybe share it on your socials, do a little screenshot of the podcast tile, whatever works for you, but we would just absolutely love it if you would help us spread the good stuff. Thanks, guys.